Read the Future Conversations is providing this podcast for educational purposes only. Read the Future is a nonpartisan, not for profit. It neither takes any position on any political issue nor endorses any candidates, political parties, or public policy proposals. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by Veed the Future. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Views and opinions expressed by Veed the Future employees are those of the employees and do not necessarily reflect the view of Veed the Future or any of its officials. Welcome, Mark Victor, to episode four of Read the Future Conversations. Uh, my name is Derek Tengap, and today I'll, I'll be your host. Um, Mark, I think you will be able to best introduce yourself better, better than um, I can. Okay, no problem. So my name is Mark Victor. I am a uh, criminal defense lawyer, and I'm also the owner and president of the Attorneys for Freedom Law Firm. We're a law firm that is based both in Arizona and in Hawaii. Uh, We're a very pro-freedom law firm, as the name sort of indicates. All the lawyers uh, at my law firm are uh, pro-freedom activists, which means that uh, they've signed something we call the Live and Let Live Pledge. And so uh, our firm is um, doing everything we can to try to bring about a free and peaceful world. Also, I'm a former United States Marine, um, served in operations Desert Storm and Desert Shield uh, back in the early 90s. I'm originally from Boston. I uh, went to UMass Boston, transferred to Arizona State in uh, Arizona, which is where I live at the moment. I also go back and forth uh, between the Hawaii office and the Arizona office. And then uh, I've been involved in founding uh, a brand new global peace movement called the Live and Let Live Global Peace Movement. It is, um, you, you might refer to it as the world's only real peace movement because we're the, um, we're based on <clears throat> ideas of non-aggression. I mean, live and let live is uh, exactly what it purports to be. This is a phrase that uh, we think makes sense. We have, uh, we haven't kicked off the movement yet. It doesn't kick off until March of 2023, but already uh, we have chapters that are approaching 40 around the world. And we are in uh, many different countries. I think it's either um, about 20, somewhere between 25 and 30 different countries already have active chapters meeting once a month. And, um, um oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean like, you, you have said some quite um, relevant topics here. I mean, like, we, we, you have gone from really um, what you do in a professional set, setting, but to also like go deeper into the Leaf and Let Leaf pledge, you, you also mentioned that is that sort of like a political um, um movement or? Is it more of a pledge to really, um, what's the vision or like what's the impact on the societal um, 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 point? Well, Live and Let Live, the Live and Let Live Foundation 
is a 501c3 nonprofit. Uh, so in that regard, it's uh, nonpartisan. We're pushing the ideas uh, behind what you might call the live and let live philosophy around the world. What people do with that is up to them. Um, I'm running for United States Senate here in Arizona. Uh, at the moment, we're working to get me on the ballot. And uh, if I do get on the ballot, I will roam around the state of Arizona uh, as a live and let live candidate, uh, someone who believes in the philosophy that is described at um, liveandletlive.org, which is sort of the center of the live and let live movement. And so uh, I'm one of many candidates uh, in different places who are going to be running just as a live and let live person. And uh, I can explain that if you like. Um, no, no, like definitely. I mean, like, it sounds like you have some really big um, ambitions here with the live and let live pledge. Um, but to first go into um, really how you came about, um, like what functions of your life really drove you to um, really initiate in this movement? Was it um, from your professional experience as a lawyer or was it necessarily you wanting to um, inspire um, community advocacy? Uh, what sort of like personal um, 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 factors motivated you to initiate the Live and Let Live Pledge? Well, um, I've been an advocate for a free society and a free world for uh, decades now. And uh, I think there are certain principles that sort of underlie what a free society is about. There are just certain ideas that work uh, in terms of even improving your own life. And so uh, I've been a big fan of that. Also, I would say um, some of this comes from just being a criminal defense lawyer. I mean, I've represented, I don't know, I'm guessing maybe 100,000 people in my 28 years of experience in major felony cases. I've represented people in uh, trials as serious as first degree murder with the death penalty involved. I've done many of those all the way down to little misdemeanors. We do state and federal cases. And so that's given me a perspective about really how we could improve things. And um I think that most people really don't think very much about freedom or peace and what would be required to actually get there rather than to just sort of talk about it and be wish, wishful and hopeful um, that it occurs. Mark, you mentioned improving things, right? Uh, one of our prior guest speakers, um, Marcel Laurent, uh, she works for St. Joseph the Walker and she was also wanting to improve things, right? So I, I want to really like... Um, interject yeah like um how does live and let live sort of apply into homelessness or how does it really go into civic engagement like um like would that would those two things be compatible well uh first you have to understand what live and let live is actually about before you can apply it and so um live and let what live is, is it about yeah live and let live is is exactly uh, what it purports to be. It's a phrase that we believe in. We think people should live and let live. And so, you know, as a lawyer, we sort of dissect that phrase. And I think first live, what does live mean? And um, I, I don't think you could argue live means anything else other than just simply live your life, which means you're in charge of your own life. If you're a competent adult, you're in charge of you. What that means is uh, you're in charge of your body, your property, your money, your time. These are things that you should be the captain of your ship about. You're in charge of you, your life. And so, um, well, 
I don't have anything to say what about what you do with your life. I can certainly make suggestions. And uh, the Live and Let Live movement is making some suggestions. We call this our moral principle. And we describe it with the phrase, just be a good human. And so um, be a good human, we break that down to what we call aspirational values. Things like open-mindedness, tolerance, voluntary kindness, civility towards other people, building high levels of trust with other people, commitment to truth and facts and justice. These are moral ideas. Um, we care about them because what we want to do in this space is optimize human happiness and well-being and minimize suffering. So people are free to act in any way they want. Uh, they don't have to take these suggestions. They can be closed-minded and uh, intolerant and unkind and uncivilized so long as they don't violate the other part of the phrase, which is let live. Uh, um, so I mean, like, Mark, kind of like this sounds a lot like um, basically like if you go into the whole cancel culture thing where people are free to really cancel each other out on social media without necessarily you mentioned um, having the freedom to do what you want to live your life to be. But how does that also apply into cancel culture? Or um, if we go into the 21st century justice um, in, the, in the US, can that really be a means of in, improving um, the justice system? Oh. Well, if you follow what we believe let live means, this gives rise to what we call a legal principle. And we describe the legal principle with the phrase, don't be an aggressor. This is how you violate someone else's right to live. You aggress against them, right? Somebody lays hands on your body, property, money, or time. This is not letting you live your life. And so we define being an aggressor as somebody who initiates force, fraud, coercion against another person or their property, or does anything to put another person or their property in danger. So those are the things we think you can't do. So if you're not being an aggressor, you should be allowed to do anything else you want to do. While we have some suggestions, our moral principle, people are free to ignore that. So when you talk about cancel culture uh, and all the various issues, uh, we always say the same thing as to every issue, which is do whatever you want, so long as you're not being an aggressor. So regarding cancel culture, um, the question is, who is canceling and over what forum? If you come to my house, then I get to make the rules about what you can say and who can present and what all of these things. If I come to your house, then you get to make the rules about all of those things. And so when you're dealing with things like social media, uh, the question is, who owns the social media platform at issue? If you're on a blog that say I'm hosting, then I make the decisions about who can speak. Um, now, this doesn't necessarily mean that I'm acting in um, sort of consistently with the moral principle, right? I mean, we're encouraging people to be open-minded and tolerant and not cancel other people simply because you don't like the content of what they're saying. But on the other hand, if they're not aggressing against other people, people are free to do whatever they want. Right. So people can not listen to anything they want to listen to, but they have no right uh, to use the government to initiate force against other people to right. prevent them from speaking on their own property or on their own platform. 
So this sounds kind of like where um, it's kind of putting um, barriers on government from intruding from other people because government can also be an in you know, um an aggressor at times. Um, we treat government the same way we treat everybody else. We don't think anybody should get an exception from uh, this rule against being an aggressor. So no person should be allowed to aggress against another person, even if they form a group or a corporation, or even if they're a government. Why would we want the government or allow, allow or tolerate the government to be an aggressor, to initiate force or be involved in fraud or coercion or do anything to put us at risk of harm? So yeah, we hold the government to exactly the same standard we hold everyone else to. Um, right, right. The government has some additional standards that right. we hold the government to, like in the area of free speech. While you or I can censor the content of anybody's speech in our home or in our businesses or on our private property, the government doesn't have uh, that luxury. The government okay. can discriminate based on uh, lots of different factors and certainly not among, not uh, based on the content of one's speech. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, that's a really good good point of view to really have now i mean like um some of our prior and hopefully future guest speakers can also go deeper into this topic of free speech as well but there's also like currently there's the risk to democracy i'm sure you know there's um a huge um in the u.s a huge plum plummet in um in trust in public institutions or trust in government institutions, there's a risk to democracy Um, the last election. But I want to ask, uh, how does the live and let live apply into the socio-political division in the country? Well, um, it applies in that area the same way it applies in every area, <laughs> uh, which means that people should be allowed to do whatever they want so long as they don't aggress against other people. So um, if you have somebody who is, take, for example, a racist or something like that, uh, if the racist is aggressing, then we would do everything we could do to stop that person from aggressing. If they did aggress, we'd insist on giving them a fair trial. But if it turns out they they aggressed after a fair trial, uh, we punish them. Now, if they don't aggress, uh, that somebody holds distasteful views, views that I would oppose, that's that's the nature of freedom, right? People are allowed to hold whatever views they want, but um, our movement, the Live and Let Live movement is pushing the moral principle. So we would try to inspire such a person to act with open-mindedness and tolerance and kindness towards other people and civility towards other people. So if they violate that, uh, while we would say they should be left alone, and we'd even defend their right to be left alone, so as long as they're not aggressing, they wouldn't be a good fit for the live and let live movement. So then, I mean, like, in your opinion, what is sort of like um, the greatest societal um, issue that is going on that really, that you see the live and let live movement can have the greatest impact? And I mean, you have the, the um, Russia-Ukraine issue, which is global. Um, you mentioned that the live and let live movement is a global movement, right? But um, what sort of um, societal issues um, do you really sort of like identify as really having the biggest um, need for, um, for, for what you're really trying to accomplish here? Well, I think what we're really trying to do here is present a different worldview for people to think about issues. So, for example, whatever issue you would want to discuss, uh, the first thing that I would ask is, is somebody violating the legal principle? Or to say another way, is somebody aggressing? If somebody is aggressing, then I would say we should stop 
what they're doing immediately. Nobody gets to aggress, even if it's the government, which is seems to be the case with the Russian government, right? If you want to talk about what happened in Ukraine, the only thing that I'm actually against here is it seems that Russia violated the legal principle. They aggressed and therefore uh, we would be against their actions like we would be against the actions of anybody who aggresses. If they didn't aggress, we wouldn't really have a legal reason to complain against them. We might speak out against them if they were acting in contradiction to our moral principle. But this is a debate about morality uh, and really about whether someone should be part of our movement. So the first question I always ask for every issue, no matter what you ask, if you say, Mark, how do you feel about issue X? I'm going to first look to see if the legal principle is violated. If it is, I'm going to tell you flat out I'm against it. We should stop it immediately. If it's not, then I'm going to conclude that the conduct should be legal. In other words, we shouldn't bother people for doing such things, uh, for doing anything with their own property, so long as they're not aggressing. But then I would look to see if they're violating the moral principle. If they're violating the be a good human aspect of the moral principle, then I would say, I, I am against the conduct. I try to convince the person, inspire the person, persuade the person to act differently. If I ultimately couldn't, then, well, they're not a good fit for the live and let live movement, even though we would defend their right to act in a non-aggressive manner, even one that we found distasteful. Right. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, um, because here in Arizona, we, we have a lot of, um, I think you you know best as to really how um, Arizona legal system operates, right? And and I see this really having a lot of, um, I think, impact in into really um, bridging um, bipartisan solutions. Um, so like you, I'm not in any way promoting your can your your, your um, campaign here, but like, how would you think that um, uh, live and let live in a bipartisan um um um, dialogue will be um, applicable or would it have disadvantages? Well, I don't think there are any disadvantages to promoting um, a philosophy that is always against aggression in all cases. I mean, so our our fundamental position here is that aggression is wrong. We think it's wrong no matter what goal we're trying to achieve. And I'll point out that this does not rule out self-defense, right? Self-defense is a justified proportional response to somebody else's initiation of aggression. So we're not against, we're not pacifists, we're not against self-defense, we're just simply against aggression uh, in all cases. Um, and the, and most people understand that. The part that they don't, they fall off the bandwagon is when the aggression is used to accomplish maybe even a worthy goal that they like. Like, for example, to, to help people less fortunate. We would say the world is filled with people who are less fortunate and who are deserving of our help. But our position is that we don't get to initiate force against other people to force them to help such people. Uh, while we are advocating these people should be helped, we want to do it voluntarily rather than so, put our morality into the law and get into fights with other people about whose morality should be part of the law. Make, 
sense that I mean like you mentioned voluntarily then like uh, I mean just kind of like um like understand this better uh live and let live is really um how to really sort of ins- uh, or encourage um as well as amplify voluntarily actions between people, right? You, you got it. We're trying to inspire people to act better. There's a minimum standard that we require people to act, uh, which is don't be an aggressor. You don't, like if, if the thief or the, the person who tends to assault or rape or rob or something says, I don't agree to this, to them, we say too bad. Sorry, we don't need you to agree. Right. Uh, we're going to punish you if you're <laughs> you aggress against other people like we do now. And we should right. continue to do that. All we're saying here is if you don't aggress, you should be left alone, legally speaking. Right. And so this really amounts to taking even our own morality out of the law. Because if we don't, then we're in this endless struggle. We're fighting each other forever to see whose morality is going to go in the law and be imposed on everybody else, whether they like it or not. And given that we don't all agree on morality, this sets us up really for what we have now, which is an endless fight to try to get control of the government, to force other people to act in ways we want them to act. Well, we can't do that. And you can't force your way to a virtuous society. You have to inspire people to act better. Right, right. That is... That is a really like I think um, when you look at um other uh, um uh, movements that that are going on, you really have differences in terms of the voluntarism. Um, I mean, you you had the whole pandemic that was going on. Um, some countries went towards a voluntarily um progression of treatment. So how would live and let live in case there's you know like future circumstances where. Um, should government impose voluntarily um, or should it really be a matter of like um, um, we should really um, just allow government to lead the way? Like, I, I mean, like just trying well, to get your, understand, your understanding. Yeah. That. Well, sort of. I mean, we would say government can do anything it wants to do with one exception, same rules that individuals can. One exception, don't be an aggressor. So if you're asking about, you know, pandemics or masks or things like that, do I have your question correct? Is that is that what you're asking me? Right, right. I mean, during the pandemic, there was a lot of um, ad hoc in terms of, I mean, you have to go into trans- transportation, right? You also have to go into the distribution of, of food or um, there were a lot of issues that, came into about in society so like how would they let them left live or like the i mean you said there are no disadvantages but in terms of um transportation wouldn't there be some sort of like argument saying that okay um i have to go to to um point to point b but i also have to go to point b only through this way or would it really be a matter of like um people should be free to do what they want at any time? Well, people should be free to do what they want at any time, so long as what they're doing involves their own property or someone else's property with their permission. And as with everything else, so long as they're not aggressing, right? When you aggress, by definition, you are taking somebody else's property or doing something with someone else's body, property, money, or time. So the way I like to say it as to all issues, people should do whatever they want so long as they don't aggress. Regarding um, difficult factual questions, things like Corona, 
Uh, how deadly is Corona? People disagree on this. How uh, safe and effective are vaccines? How effective are masks? These are issues that people disagree upon. Um, most of these issues, the vast majority of them, frankly, can be dealt with by simply following the rule we're discussing. Now, this doesn't mean you get your own way everywhere, right? I mean, if a, if a business owner wants to say, only people wearing masks can come into my business, well, that's the rule at that business. Whether you like their rule or not is really not relevant. Just like in the case of guns, some businesses say no guns allowed. Um, sometimes the gun the gun crowd calls me and says, Mark, I don't like this rule. I have a Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. I say, no, you don't. Not in regards to a private property owner. The Second Amendment restricts the government, like the First Amendment right. restricts the government from acting, not private property owners. So I would be on the side of the private property owner who said no guns okay. or, or, or you have to wear bring a gun. I mean, that, that the wisdom or lack thereof of the rule that the property owner makes is irrelevant. Right. It's the property owner's property. And that's the issue that matters from a freedom and peace perspective. And I mean, like you mentioned property owners and then but there's also the public and the private um, differentiations, right, of people's lives, like in a private environment, would this, uh, I mean, like, if a criminal goes out and does something privately, um, like, how how would they really um, face the consequences uh, in the live and that lives some, you know, society that you're trying to um, really um, 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 promote? Well, if somebody violates the live and let live legal principle, which means they're aggressing against another person or their property, then we treat them the way we treat them today. They should be accused. They should get a scrupulously fair trial. Um, but if it turns out they're convicted, they're found actually guilty of violating the live and let live legal principle, this means they've aggressed. Well, we should deal with them accordingly. Some people should go to jail, some prison. <laughs> Some will get probation. We already have this generally worked out fairly well right now in terms of punishment and proportionality and how we deal with that. So that's not a problem. I think the big issue is when somebody does something that does not violate the legal principle, especially if they're doing something that we don't like. Like, say, for example, you're dealing with a competent adult who might be uh, taking a drug in their own body that is a destructive kind of a drug. Um, in that case, I would say so long as they're not violating the legal principle, they're certainly not by taking the drug. They might be, though, if they're getting in their vehicle and driving down the road in a way that creates a risk of danger to other people or something like that. But assuming they're not violating uh, the legal principle, they're sitting in their backyard peacefully, putting a really self-destructive drug into their body. I would recognize that it's their right to do that in a free society. However, I would very aggressively try to talk them out of doing that, right, as a, as a matter, maybe a moral matter, but I stop short of forcing them. I don't get to tell other competent adults what they get, to, what they opt to put into their body uh, based on any criteria that I deem to be a proper criteria. You can relate this, say, uh, you know, I find it interesting because often it's the same group of people who don't recognize what I just said in terms of the drug war, right? They say, no, we want, I get to decide what you put in your body in terms of drugs, marijuana, uh, meth, cocaine, heroin, whatever. However, uh, when it comes to the pandemic, 
I don't want other people telling me what I can put in my body. I think ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine. Look, these are the same issues. Nobody gets to tell another competent adult what they should put in their body, even if we think it's harmful. That's for the, the owner of the body to make the decision. But this doesn't mean we don't care, right? But there's an argument of the other, right? There's an argument of the other. You really um, highlighted a, a very valuable point that it's um 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 should people a confident adult shouldn't really be told what to, what to put in their body but there's an argument of the other person right um what if this has an impact of you know say um their relatives or what if this has, has an impact to their work environment what well, in a work environment is the business that has um has the right to say how to really um, 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 situate that out. But in terms of a public environment, shouldn't there be some sort of um, arbitrator that really um, 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 facilitates um, how a person's behavior is impacting those around them in a live and let live um, point of view? Well, yeah, I'm certainly in favor of arbitrators and judges because we do have to figure out if people are aggressing. Um, but you may, when you raise the work environment, what you're really dealing with is a breach of contract here. I mean, if an uh, employer says, look, I got a job and I'll pay you X number of dollars per hour, and employee says, I want a job and I'm willing to work for X number of hours uh, at a certain number, uh, at a certain rate per hour. Well, if the person puts drugs in their body or something and they're unable to fulfill their part of the contract, then what we have is an ordinary breach of contract. Employers are certainly free to say, if you want to work here, we're going to drug test you. Uh, you can't use this drug, that drug, or the next drug, or basically put whatever conditions or requirements they want to put on that job. They're the owner of the job, and the employee is certainly free to accept it or not accept it or put any conditions, restrictions, requirements they want to put on their um, consent to accept the job or not. So uh, whether somebody has violated the contract can often be a, a disputed issue. And yeah, we should have arbitrators to help make that decision. But the fundamental underlying principle remains the same. Competent adults are in charge of their lives. That's what live means. And they get to make decisions on how to run their lives. Even if the decisions they make, we may say that this is uh, immoral or unhealthy or unwise, or we don't think it's the best way to live your life. Other people get to choose to run their lives. We don't get to run other people's lives. That would be aggressive. Well, um, Mark, let's sort of now like sort of um on um, board things down. Yeah, like I mean, we we have covered a significant amount of topics from civic engagement to um freedom of choice and liberty. But to really now like go into the final final questions, is it really a matter of really sort of um 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 like addressing issues, or is this a solution that really um that really focuses on on not just societal, but like in people's daily lives. Um, like, I mean, we also went to that, but like what sort of like solutions do you think can really um, sprout out of this move, movement in particularly in Arizona's um, economic improvement or in um, education? Uh, what sort of solutions did you see this? Um, and that also goes into literacy, right? I mean, literacy is really something that people choose to really um, uh, um, try to cultivate. So what's your take on that? Well, I think before you 
um, talk solutions, you got to identify the problem. And uh, we would identify the source of most of our problems as legalized aggression is the idea that uh, some people get to aggress against other people, oftentimes to try to achieve worthy goals, right? Um, so if, if you identify that as the problem, as we do, then the solution is to stop aggressing against other people. Where does this put us? Uh, well, it puts us in a place where people are free to trade with each other as they see fit. And so if you want to improve areas like healthcare and say uh, schooling, educating children, these are areas where we've done a, a horrible job at letting people trade freely, right? I mean, we've let the government run the school system, the government run the healthcare system, and the government runs it through coercion and initiating force and telling people what to do and um, curbing competition. And so whether whether you're talking about educating children, providing healthcare, or, or simply selling hamburgers, the free market is a good way to figure out what the price is. It's the best way. In fact, it's the only way that we can accurately figure out what the proper price of a good or service is. And that's what happens when people bargain, right? Um, sellers don't get to sell their goods or services for any price they choose. They get to sell them only for the prices that the market will bear. And that's a decision that buyers and sellers arrive at voluntarily. And it's the only way to get to that. So we wanna take coercion and aggression out of the law, uh, other than to just say, you, you can't be an aggressor, but we don't get, this is the price I tell people of admission. If you wanna to get to a free society, you have to be willing to take even your own moral views out of the law and instead of forcing them on other people, convince other people to act in ways that we think are moral. I think this has a lot of um, ethics um, 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 fused into it or the live and let live movement. And that is great. Um, but now to really sort of close things down, so now to really focus on Mark Victor, right? I mean, you have some really awesome things happening um you have you have accomplished a lot but sort of like uh, a trivia question you mark or a trivia comment and that goes into later literacy like how has that really played a role in your life or like how do you sort of see literacy from your own personal um 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 day-to-day lives how i'm not sure i understand the question how do i see leaders or no um literacy literacy how do i see leadership um, literacy, um, leader, literacy, uh, literacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just a trivial, um, a trivial take. I mean, like Mark, you are a lawyer. I mean, you have a lot of, um, that comes with a lot of responsibilities. But, um, the small segments is really sort of now to just highlight a little portion here, and that goes into literacy, right? Um, the live and let live move. Man has a lot of ambitions, a lot of, um, um, potential as well, but. Most of the world doesn't have access to literacy. Now we go down into Arizona, right? Um, where literacy is also an issue. But but for Mark Victor, right? What's what's your own personal relationship with that word? Well, um, obviously, we want an educated society. An educated society is a better society where people can be more productive and they can do more to trade and they can improve their lives. So obviously, 
Uh, literacy is an important thing. Um, but like so many other issues, if you let the government run this through coercing people and I mean, funding it coercively and uh, the federal government deciding what people should be taught and how they should be taught, um, then you arrive at where we are now, which is these government schools um, that are sort of one size fits all. I would much rather see what the free market develops and we kind of know what they're going to develop, right? They're going to develop what the parents, the market, the people who are uh, purchasing educational needs for their children, what they would want. And I think you would see a much more varied um, distribution of education. Like, for example, we have these fights about uh, prayer in school, religion in school. These are never going to be solved with a one size fits all solution. This is why uh, parents who want their children taught in religious uh, religious things should send their kids to religious schools who should teach them whatever the parents think is appropriate. And uh, parents want, who want their kids taught, uh, say, evolution without references to creationism or something like that. Send your kids to schools that teach science rather than religion. So I, and then that way we'll find out what the market uh, wants and the uh, providers of education will be responsive if they want to stay in business will be responsive to provide what parents want I think literacy is one of those things that's very high uh, on the the uh, list of wants uh, that parents have for their children oh, Mark thank you so much for coming on with the future conversation um, how can um, um, the audience get in contact with you if they have any further um, questions? Um, People can always get a hold of me through the Live and Let Live website. I hope they'll check it out at liveandletlive.org. If you like what you see there, definitely join the movement. Not a big deal. Check the box that says you, you agree with the legal principle and the moral principle and, and be part of the solution and join the movement. If you like it and you have some time and you want to do more to help change the world, you can start a chapter, you can donate some money, buy some t-shirts. There's lots of things that people can do to help with the movement. But I would encourage people to not just sit around and complain, get involved and help be part of the solution. It's the, the only way we're ever going to get to freedom and peace is when we start following some of these ideas that we're putting out in the Live and Let Live movement. We can't aggress our way to a peaceful world. Mark, thank you for that. Um, it was great having you as a guest speaker on with the future conversations. And I think uh, Live and Let Live has a, um, a bright future forward. Thank you. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. It's been a, a, a joy and an honor chatting with you this morning. Read the Future Conversations is providing this podcast for educational purposes only. Read the Future is a nonpartisan, not for profit. It neither takes any position on any political issue nor endorses any candidates, political parties, or public policy proposals. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by Veed the Future. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Views and opinions expressed by Veed the Future employees are those of the employees and do not necessarily reflect the view of Veed the Future or any of its officials.